Good morning, Woodland Hills. Good morning, pod listeners, or afternoon, or evening, or middle of the night, whatever time you're listening to this. I want to say hi to you as well. Good to see you all here this morning. You look marvelous. Uh, I really sense the presence of God in the worship. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Uh, I also want to reiterate um, the importance of the Project Home. You know, this is something that uh, in our Sustain campaign, or uh, our uh, Making Space campaign two years ago, we raised money for this. Uh, and a number of other things, but this is, we, we did that to renovate the building to make it, uh, up to code so we could do this. So you've already sacrificed for this, but now we, we need to host it. And, um, uh, those of you who have, have done this before know what a blessing it is. And it, we have a training, and that's mainly about, it's a requirement about how to be respectful to people and stuff like that. Uh, but there's no skills required in this. You just basically hang out with people and help them and play with their kids and, it's, it's a great time, but it means so much. And this is the kingdom. We just sang about, they'll know us by our love. This is what it looks like. So uh, really pray about that, being a, being a part of that. Or even have your whole small group be a part of it. That'd be great. So uh, we don't do anything fancy here. When we're not in a series, and I'm on board, we just go through the Bible one verse at a time. So we're studying the book of Colossians, and we're up to chapter 4 of the book of Colossians. Verse 2, we go at lightning speed here, and we're going to deal with one verse today. The title of this message is, uh, Look, and uh, the meaning of that should be pretty self-evident. It's about looking, surprise, and uh, keeping your eyes open. And uh, the verse is this, it says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. That's it. You can just end right there. Hey, guys, remember, devote yourself to prayer and be watchful and thankful. I guess I have a few more words to say on it, but uh, pray with me here. Father, I thank you for your presence here. And I, I, I pray, Lord, that you'll use this message to wake us up. Uh, I pray for all those listening uh, to the podcast uh, that you do the same. Wake them up. Uh, get us out of our lethargy, our apathy, our blindness, our dullness. Uh, and God, create in us uh, hearts that are, are seeing you and are appreciative of you. Uh, all the time, all the time, for you are ever-present, ever-active God. Turn us, Lord. Turn our hearts towards you. My words aren't going to do anything unless you are showing up and infusing them with your authority. So I confess my total dependence on you, and I also express my total confidence that you do that, according to your word. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. 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 Okay, the word devote, pretty obvious, means to commit to something. And what we're supposed to commit to is prayer, which is just talking to God, and being watchful and being thankful. The word devote covers all three of those. It's all kind of one thing. Pray, and as you pray, be watchful, and as you're watchful, be grateful. And we're to devote ourselves to this. It means make it an intentional commitment on our part. This is something that we're to make space for, give energy towards, be disciplined about. Talking to God, keeping our eyes open, and being thankful. This idea of being watchful. Now, I've talked about prayer in the past, and, and the verses that follow this um, are also on prayer. So I'm going to not to talk too much about prayer this morning. I'm going to focus on being watchful and thankful. Uh, and we find this uh, command to be watchful and thankful all over the place in the New Testament. You get the impression that this is fairly important. In fact, you may recall from several months ago when we were back about five verses ago on three chapter 3, verses I think it's 16 through 19, we saw that Paul, in the span of three verses, mentions being thankful three times. Be thankful. Give thanks. Never forget to give thanks. It's an important thing, apparently. And uh, being watchful is reiterated all the time as well. In in this kind of context, the command to be watchful has to do with uh, keeping your eyes open to see what we are 
inclined not to see, being vigilant, um, looking past the surface of things to see things in the unseen world, the spirit world. It has to do with keeping our eyes open to notice what God is doing and, and keeping our eyes open to notice what the enemy's doing. Be aware of the war zone in which we live, the spirit world in which we live. The normal worldling who doesn't have a regenerate heart or a regenerate mind, they just see the physical world. They live in, in their whole context is the physical world, the here and now, and, and it's physically defined. But kingdom people are to be having their eyes open to see more than that. Keep your eyes open to what God is up to and, and um, give thanks for that. And also keep your eyes open to what, is, what, what the enemy is doing. Be vigilant in this. And it's important. Now, the assumption behind this command is this. And you find this, it just permeates the entire New Testament. The assumption is that God is always active. You find that that assumption permeates the New Testament. Jesus says, my Father's always working, and I work. Uh, he's always busy. God doesn't need to rest, take breaks, take naps, go on vacation or anything. He's always busy doing his stuff. Uh, Paul says it this way in Acts 17. It's a marvelous verse. He says that he's talking to these uh, Athenian philosophers and he says that from the beginning with Adam and Eve, God has been at work in the rise and fall of various nations to get people to search for him and possibly find him, though, Paul adds, in truth, he's not far from any of us. And what he's saying there is that throughout history, nations have rose and nations have fallen. They've had times and seasons. And those have been you know, determined by kings who declare war in other kingdoms and, and all that fighting you know, and all that. But, but God's been involved in all of that. Uh, in order to get people to search for him and possibly find him, though he's not far from any of us. It means that God is always and everywhere active with every person. God's active to, to bring about as much redemption as possible, as much goodness as possible, as much, as much uh, uh, blessing as possible to further his kingdom. God's always been present to minimize evil as much as possible. And the possible is defined by the fact that God created a world where there are free agents, human and angelic, and God doesn't coerce them, otherwise they wouldn't have free will and couldn't make a responsible choice for or against him. Uh, and he wants a responsible choice for him. And so he works around that constraint. There will be evil things that are happening, but it's never because he's there. In fact, if he was not there, far worse things would happen. He's the one who's always minimizing evil and furthering the good. What it means is that, if we think about it, there hasn't been a nanosecond of your life where God was not present there. There hasn't been a fraction of a second. From the very beginning, every moment of your life, God was there working for the good, working to bring blessing, working to minimize evil. Even in your darkest moment, when you felt most alone and most rejected, you were not alone. And you certainly were not rejected, not by Him. Um, God was present there. And, and however bad the situation was, it would have been far, far worse if God was not there. However much evil there was there, there would have been much more if God was not there pushing back on it. Uh, he's always been a force at work for the good. His, his eyes have always been on you. His love has always been towards you. His concern has always been for you. And those of you who have gone through some nightmare stuff, many of us have, you just got to know that God's heart breaks on that. He's not behind that causing the nightmare. He's there working to redeem the nightmare, to minimize the nightmare, to bring good out of it. But he's always on the side of good, and he's always on your side. And he has been every moment of our life. And so to be watchful simply means to notice that God is around you. Notice the good that God is doing and to give thanks for that. Uh, never take God for granted. And, and there's a force of evil also at work in this world. 
Uh, his name is Satan, and the New Testament depicts him and as being pretty much ever-present. There's a force that's leading us into temptation and trying to destroy us. God's always trying to bring life, and the enemy is trying to kill life. God's bringing the good, the enemy's bringing the evil. And as kingdom people, we're in this war zone. We're supposed to be aware of this and noticing it and resisting the evil and participating in the good and giving thanks for all the good that we see around us. Because James tells us that in the end, every good gift comes from the Father above. Uh, there's others who, are the, who mediate the goodness of God, and we give thanks to them as well. But ultimately, if God was not promoting good in this world, this world would be one sustained nightmare. And nothing about that. So all the good we're to see and give thanks for. Now, the fact that the New Testament uh, tells us so many times to be watchful and to be thankful is enough to tell us that this is clearly something that we don't do naturally. It's something we can only do if we're devoted to it. It takes discipleship to do this. It takes intentionality to do this. If we're not intentionally trying to stay awake and be grateful, what happens invariably is that we stop noticing God and we stop being grateful for God. If we're not intentional on going in the opposite direction, we become worldlings. We just slowly degenerate. And um, we stop seeing what we're supposed to see and stop responding the way we're supposed to respond. And, and ingratitude begins to infiltrate our heart. This is, I think, the most serious issue that kingdom people faith, face in terms of uh, having a vibrant faith. There are some people who, who uh, their faith crash and burns because of a tragedy that happens and their faith can't explain that or, or because they come, up with a, come against a skeptic who throws out arguments that they can't answer. And so some people have their faith crash and burn that way. But for the most part, it doesn't happen that way. The, 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 the greater threat, and we've all, if you've been a serious kingdom person for very long, you've struggled with this. The way it usually happens is through a slow process of decay. We just sort of backslide in slow motion. We haven't been watchful, haven't been vigilant, and haven't been intentionally grateful. And what happens is we just gradually degenerate into just a worldling worldview, a secular worldview. And we still believe the things that we're supposed to believe. You still believe in God, believe in Jesus, whatever, and still do some kingdom activities, I suppose. But, 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 uh, it's no longer a reality there. It, it's, in terms of what you see on a day by day basis, what you experience on a day by day basis, uh, your world is basically the same world as the atheist. It's just that you believe a few different things. To the degree that we've fallen asleep, you'll find that, that the, the talk of Jesus isn't readily on your lips. Uh, it used to be that you'd, you saw God involved in your life. Uh, it was, he was a present reality. And, and um, you were grateful for that. It used to be that there was a passion in your life and a gratitude in your life. When you talked about salvation, it meant something. It moved you. And when you thought about the mercy of God, it moved you. But it can happen if we're not vigilant and watchful and grateful that in time those just become beliefs. And now we don't talk about Jesus the way we used to talk about Jesus. Some of us have maybe had this experience where you just, it's a God thing, he helps you notice that your group doesn't discuss the Lord the way you discussed it before. Um, you don't talk, you talk about the things that, that most people talk about. And that's not bad, it's just that you, that's all you talk about. The weather, the sports, the politics, whatever. But about what, what is the Lord doing in your life? You used to be able to talk about that, but now it's kind of strained because you're not seeing God active in your life. If people say, what has Jesus done for you? You'd say, well, he died for me. But that was 2,000 years ago. What about yesterday? <laughs> you know, uh, He's a contemporary Lord. And, and, and See, that takes being vigilant. And this is, I think, the greatest threat because, see, it happens without us noticing it. The enemy that you can see is not the one that, that is, is really a threat. It's the one that you don't see. 
And the, what, the biggest enemy we face, the biggest threat to our faith, is, is not the, the catastrophic thing. It's the, it's the routine that we get into where we just lose the reality. The reality of the kingdom bottoms out of us. We are then find ourselves going through the motion. We're stagnant. And the longer we persist in the state of stagnation, the more devoid of God our life becomes. And again, we still believe it. We, we still go, go to church or whatever. But the reality isn't there. The passion's not there. The excitement's not there. The vibrancy's not there. It's just not a part of our, our... Our beliefs don't intersect with our life. Our life is just that of a worldling. And all of us have, have to wrestle against this. We've fallen asleep. It can happen to our marriage with Jesus, what happens to a lot of earthly marriages. And salvation is a matter of being married to Jesus. Some of us know this from experience in our, in our earthly marriages. You get married and you're full of passion and full of expectations and full of excitement and full of love. But if you're not communicating regularly, which is what prayer is to God, if you're not, you're not sharing your hearts, if you're not looking at each other, looking into each other, touching souls on a regular basis, if you're taking each other for granted and you're no longer grateful, then what can happen is that vibrant couple was so excited when they first got married, before too long, well, the love kind of just seeps out the back door. Uh, they become kind of roommates, roommates with benefits, as they say these days, with benefits. And if you stay in that state for very long, the benefits aren't going to be there either. So, <laughs> no, see, it's a degeneration. Um, you, you, you still you raise the kids, you change the diapers, take out the garbage, go to work, pay the bills, you know, get, get together with friends, watch television shows. You know, you still do those things, but the spark is gone, the passion's gone, the reality of your, your love is gone. Um, and, and if you persist in the state for too long, it can happen. And some of us have been here. Where you wake up one day and you're laying next to a stranger. And who, who are you? Because see, what happens is life is a river, not a pond. It never stays the same. It's always moving. We're always changing. And it's supposed to be that way. We're always to be growing. We're evolving. And if you're not, if the rivers of your life aren't intersecting on a regular basis through communication, by looking at one, at one another, being grateful for one another, keeping that spark alive. If your rivers aren't intersecting, they are going to evolve in different directions. Four, five, ten years down the road, you wake up, and you look at the person, and you say, well, you're not the person I married. Who are you? And you're right. They're not the person that you married, and you're not the person they married. And that's the way it's supposed to be. We're always changing. I won't be exactly the same tomorrow as I am today. And I certainly won't be the same ten years from now as I am today. We change. The problem isn't the change. The problem is that you didn't change together because your lives weren't intersecting with one another. You weren't communicating. You weren't looking at each other, looking into one another. You weren't being grateful for one another. You took each other for granted. And that's how it happens in our relationship with God. If we're not communicating on a regular basis, if we're not looking for him, if we're not noticing how he's ever-present, ever-active, and we're not grateful for that, we take him for granted, what can happen is we become a stranger to God. And that's why... Talking about him feels kind of unnatural. He's kind of a stranger. Yeah, we still believe, but, but in terms of our reality, he's strange to our reality because our reality now is simply that of a worldling, of an atheist. He doesn't really intersect with us in a real way. And so you find that you don't talk about him as much. You don't have the gratitude, the passion you used to have. You find that the, the joy you used to have doing service for the kingdom. You used to have, it used to jazz you. You got excited about it. But see, if you're not staying in touch with the reality of who God is, the reality of the kingdom, well, then that just becomes a duty. Everything becomes just a duty. And maybe you'll still do it, but you won't do it for the reasons 
that God wants us to be doing it, which is the love of Christ. Paul says everything we do should be done because the love of Christ compels us. But if that love isn't a reality, not part of your day-to-day life, not part of the way you see the world and experience the world, well, then you've, you just don't have any fuel to run on. So you run on other fuel, like you're supposed to, you ought to. You feel guilty if you don't. But the vibrancy and the passion is, is gone. Uh, it, it's all about staying awake. It's all about noticing. The, otherwise, the reality of the kingdom bottoms out of, it, bottoms out of us. It doesn't intersect with the way we experience the world at all. If you find yourself in that position, and I'm sure there are some people right now saying, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, or maybe you've been in that position, or maybe you'll be in that position in the future. But all of us struggle with this, because there's always a downward pull in this fallen world. If we're not intentional about fighting the opposite direction, we naturally tend to atrophy. It doesn't, we can't coast our way into the kingdom. No, it, it takes diligence. And if we're in that situation, what we need to remember is this. God, the ever-present, always active God, he is here right now, because he's always here. He is right in front of you, closer than that, actually. He's closer to you than your own skin. And he is, if you're in this state, imploring you. We need to hear the Spirit talking to us through the Apostle Paul here this morning. And hear the Lord God saying. And here, just get in touch with your heart. And see, that's another thing that we can lose if we're not vigilant. We, We stop attending to what, what's going on in our, in our soul, our heart, where God talks to us. But if you can listen to that heart, you'll hear the Lord saying, come back to me. I, I, I miss you. I miss you. Do you remember the joy we used to have? Do you remember the passion we used to have? Do you remember the love we used to have? Uh, do you remember what it was like to have me in, in your life and you were in on my life? Uh, notice me once again. Look for me once again. Stop taking me for granted. Uh, look at me afresh. I've never stopped loving you. I've always been passionate about you. I did not leave you, but you have abandoned me. Uh, you didn't watch us walk out the door, but in your heart, you've gotten distant from me. In your heart, you, you, you've pushed me aside. You've just accommodated to the world. You're just blending with the rest of the world. Come out, be a different person. Let's rekindle our first love. The Lord's saying to some of us uh, what, what, he, what he said to the church of Laodicea. You've lost your first love. You've lost your first love. It's so like a spouse who's trying desperately to save the marriage. God is pleading with his bride saying, come back to me, rekindle your first love, put me first, be devoted to this, talk to me on a regular basis, be devoted to this, look for me all the time because I'm always around you, be devoted to this, don't take me for granted, but always have gratefulness in your heart. And if you find ourselves in our in, in this position, and you ask, well, how, how do I make my way back? I, yeah, I have been kind of just a worldling. How do I make my way back? The answer is right there in Colossians 4.2. It is to communicate. Start communicating. Devote yourself to communicating with God once again. Devote yourself to looking for God. Uh, throughout the day, every good thing you see is ultimately from Him and be giving Him thanks for that. Be looking for Him so He becomes a reality once again and be grateful for every single positive thing that you see Him doing in your life. And that is the way to begin to rekindle that love and that life and that vibrancy. You begin to re-enter the reality of the kingdom. Jesus didn't come to give us a new belief system. <laughs> no, he came to give us a new reality. He always trades in the commodity of reality. And it requires a belief to get in on that reality, but the belief isn't the reality. The reality is the reality, and that's what we need to keep our eyes open towards. And it applies, the importance of this applies to all of our relationships. All of them. I, I think the, the, this, 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 uh, the, the centrality of being watchful and grateful was captured in my, in my, my, my favorite play of all time is, is uh, Thornton Wilder's Our Town. And because it's my favorite play, I've shared it several times here, but he just nails it. 
Uh, in this play, if you haven't seen it, I encourage you to at some point see it because it's just brilliant. It's a play that changed my life. Um, I, in 11th grade, I was just a drummer in a rock band who was kind of drugged out and was always thinking weird thoughts and talking about weird things, and everyone just thought I was burned out. Um, and I was so uh, checked out of school and hated everything academic, never read a book. I, I, I hated it. Well, then what happened in this one class, we, we watched this play, Our Town. And it was about death, and I've always been obsessed with death. So I got involved in this discussion. We had a debate afterwards about what it meant and stuff, and I actually participated in the class, which was kind of a new thing. Um, and and the, the teacher of the class, this humanities class in 11th grade, Miss King, a wonderful lady who I had the opportunity to say goodbye to as she was in a hospital you know, uh, two years ago and let her know just the difference she made in my life. But after that class, she called me up aside and she said, Greg, you're a philosopher. And, and I didn't know what that was, but she said, it's a person who, who says the kind of things you were just saying. And, and tell you what, you, I'll pass, I'll, 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 I'll pass you in this class, which you're not passing now, by the way. You haven't handed in a single assignment, but if you'll just read two books on philosophy and give me two book reports, that will be your grade. And so I did. For the first time, went to the library and for the first time, looked up a card catalog and for the first time, read a book. And, um, it was on philosophy. And I could not believe that people, you know, wrote about this stuff. This is where my brain always was at. I just thought it was because of the drugs. Uh, here, these people are, 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 they make a living doing this. I found my niche. And the neurons started to activate. My brain jump-started. And I went from being a doped-out person who could care less about anything academics to being this readaholic egghead overnight. And uh, it just, you know, the rest is history. It eventually led me to Christ and all of that, all because a teacher took the time to notice something in me, and that was all because of this wonderful play. I love this play. It's a life-changing play. And so in this play, there's a gal named Emily. She dies at the age of 26, giving birth to this son. And in this play, the, the dead go to this kind of graveyard. It's a way station of some sort, and uh, they, uh, the spirits are there. And Emily goes there, and she learns that she's able to go back and live one day of her life if she wants. But the rest of the spirits say, don't do it. It's going to be painful. It'll be miserable. You'll regret it. But Emily wants to just taste life one more time. And so she chooses to go back to her 12th birthday, 14 years earlier. And immediately, Emily now notices how, how the living don't really live, how the living don't appreciate their life and don't appreciate the lives of others, how the living really don't look at each other and don't, you know, they're too busy with their own agendas. They're, they're blind, and it's grieving her. And she's sitting down for breakfast in this one seat, and her mother is preparing breakfast and just yapping about this, that, or the other thing. And Emily's trying to get her attention, but she can't. At one point then, uh, Emily says this, Oh, Mama, just look at me one minute as though you really saw me. Mama, 14 years have gone by. I'm dead. But just, just for a moment now, we're together. Mama, just for a moment, we're happy. Let's look at one another. It still moves me. I've read it a hundred times. Let's look at one another. Let's just spend a moment looking at one another. We're real. We're alive. Can we see each other with fresh eyes? Unfortunately, the mother can't hear anything that wasn't actually said 14 years earlier because you can't change the past. And so she keeps on yapping. And Emily grows more and more grieved by this, and she starts to cry. And finally, at one point, she says to the stage manager, I can't. I can't do it. I can't go on. It goes so fast. We don't have time to look at one another. I didn't realize, he says. So all this was going on, and we never noticed. All this life, all this miracle, and we never noticed. Take me back up the hill to my grave.
And as she says goodbye to everybody, though they can't hear it, in the end, she says goodbye to the earth. She says, oh, earth, you're too wonderful for anyone to realize you. Do any human beings ever realize life while they live it? Every, every minute. Does anyone really realize life while they live it? Does it take dying to appreciate being alive? And what Thornton Wilder is saying here, and I think he just says it in the most marvelous way, is he's saying, wake up. Don't sleepwalk through life. Don't go through life blinded by the routine, by the mundaneness, by what we get used to, by taking things for granted. No, wake up to the freshness of every moment. Wake up to the beauty of, 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 of every person. Look at each other. Look deeply into one another. Grab the now. Live fully and love fully in the present moment. And that means that you're awake and alive and watchful in the present moment. It is what makes life life. It's what it is all about. And I, I, I found that this is, that this is so essential to all of our relationships, keeping our relationships alive. Um, I didn't do it for the first 16 years of my marriage, and it's one of the reasons why the rivers of my, Shelley and I grew in different directions, and we woke up one day and we're on the other side of the Grand Canyon, you know, apart from each other, and had to figure out, and it was hard to figure out a way to bridge this thing and make up for the 16 years. But for the last 18 or 19 years, I've made it a, a, a discipline to look at her, to, to really look. There's, you can look, but then there's a real looking. And to notice. And, and you're reminded of the things that you fell in love with when you got married. Um, and it rekindles that, that, that love in your heart. I, 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 I will notice. I never get tired of this now. I look at it with fresh eyes. The, the interesting way that Shelly holds her hands when she gets excited. She, she has her, her wrists are weird. Uh, she, 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 she does this. I don't know anyone else who does that, but it's so cute. The way she's like, yeah, I just know. And it's just so cute the way she, I love the way her eyes light up when she's telling the kids, her grandkids a story. Because it's so big and she gets the kids excited just by how big her, 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 her eyes get. I love the way she thinks our dog, it's like every day she rediscovers how cute our dog is. It's like, the same reaction she had in the, in, the, in the pet store when she looked at this dog and started crying because it was so cute. She still does that. Oh, he's so cute. He's, you know, she never gets used to it. And the way she laughs at him because he's such a silly dog walking around with these things in his mouth. And he just looks silly. And we laugh at him, but he doesn't seem to mind. But I love the way she does that. I love the way that, you know, when we go to bed, she doesn't like to have her hair on her face, so she puts it up in a ponytail, but on top of her head, right in the middle. So it's like, I call her the little pygmy girl, you know, she, she looks like one of those little Wahoo people on the Grinch that stole Christmas with a little bun coming out there. It's just so adorable. And then when she goes to sleep, she puts her eye patch on upside down. Because she, she likes the nose part on top for some reason. Who does that? But it's adorable. I'm watching her with an upside down eye thing on it. It's just, it's just, it's just, a gr- it's just great. Uh, all these little quirky things about her. A lot of stuff I can't share with you. But I, I just love this about her. The way she laughs. The way she her eyes light up. It, it's, it's the little things. And life is all, this is all a bunch of little things. Uh, you know, the quality of your life is, is determined by the quality that you invest in all the little things that you need to notice. And if you do life with your eyes open and are really looking at your spouse or your friend or whatever, you'll notice new things that weren't there before because life is a river and we're always growing and there's always new circumstances. It becomes kind of an adventure. So this last year, Kelly and I decided that we're at an age where if we don't do something serious uh, with ourselves, our bodies, they're going in the wrong direction very fast. And so we agreed that we're going to join a club and we're going to work out. And we've tried to you know, maintain that. So we went to the club last week and... and uh, uh, I go to lift weights on the one, uh, this one area, and she goes into this aqua class where you exercise in a pool because uh, you get to do it with other people. And there's a glass uh, wall that separates the weight room from the pool. And so I, at one point, 
uh, go over to see how she's doing. This is the first time doing this aqua class. And I just watched, it was so, so, so adorable the way you see these little floaty things for resistance. And she's just trying so hard to do the exercise and she does this and then she has to like do these kicking exercises. And half the time she doesn't know what she's doing so she's looking at other people like, what's going on here? And then they got to jog around the pool. They waddle like this, you know, as they're going through the water. It was so adorable. I hardly lifted any weights that day because I was being so entertained watching my wife waddle around the pool. But see, it's that adorable stuff. She's so cute. I got choked up just watching her. You see, it's a ton of little things that we need to know. It's the precious stuff. But we can so easily get dull to that and blinded to that, and we stop noticing and stop appreciating, and that's when the flame starts to just sort of die down. Now, I don't live a fairy tale, and neither do you, and so I'll be honest and say there's a lot of things about Shelley that bug me, and a lot of things about me that bug her, and that's pretty normal for marriages. You know, being, living with a person is going to bug you, and that's the stuff you want to learn how not to notice <laughs> as much as possible. It's like, ah, okay, I'm going to forget that, that one. Um, but there's uh, so much beautiful stuff to see if only we keep our eyes open and, and, and are grateful for it. Folks, in all of our relationships, I, I encourage you to, husbands and wives, look at each other. I, really look at each other. Don't take anything for granted. Remember the little things. Notice the little things. Give thanks to the little things. Keep that flame alive. And, and parents with their children, Emily's right. It goes so fast. It goes so fast. You've only got them for a moment. Tomorrow you'll be giving them away in marriage, or maybe like Emily, they won't be around. So you've got to grab them in the now. Life is always in the now. Reality is always in the now. And so notice the beauty of those little kids, and 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 be grateful for every second that you've got together. Look at them. Really look at them. And friends, deep friendships are such a gift from God. Don't take them for granted. You have your journeys have intersected, and and so appreciate that moment. They may not be here tomorrow. And so look at them, really look at them, and be watchful and be grateful. And it applies to just our living in the world. Emily's right. The world's too wonderful for most people to realize, at least. It is a miracle. Look at the, look at the tree. Look at the clouds with fresh eyes. Look at the snowflakes in Minnesota. They can get really old, I know. But there's a beauty to them if you have fresh eyes. Uh, you know, the, the stars, the flowers, the silly squirrels in our backyard are so interesting to watch. If we just don't take it for granted, if we don't fall asleep on them, there is wonder all around us. There's beauty all around us. Yeah, there's a lot of ugly, there's a lot of warfare, a lot of demonic stuff, but there's also a ton of wonderful stuff. The music that, 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 that is available to us, it all is a gift from God. And if you can see it and, and with fresh eyes, gratitude will well up in your heart. You'll feel more alive. You'll be more alive. The passion for life will be rekindled. It applies to all of our relationships. And most importantly, it applies to our relationship with God. Uh, how important it is to stay watchful and awake and alive and never take anything for granted. You know, really, it, it just in noticing the in, in noticing the billions of little things with your spouse and your kids and your friends and and the world, you're already noticing the beauty of God, because God is the beauty in all beauty and the goodness in all good, all that's good and the life in all that's living and the joy in all that's joyful. So you're already noticing that. But it will only jumpstart your kingdom relationship with God if you identify Him as the source of all that. If you stay awake, that is God who is always at work in all places at all times with all people to work for the good and work for the beautiful and work for the true. And, and, and so in noticing these things, you give thanks to the individuals, but give thanks to God. Never take any of that for granted. And you'll find that if you're devoted to this, and that, that's not something you just do once and then forget about it. No, this is a lifestyle change. It's a consciousness change. 
But if you can devote yourself every day to noticing where God is active, what God is doing, and giving thanks for that, you will find, however much you've backslidden, however unreal it's been, however long it's been that way, in time, it doesn't happen overnight, but in time you'll find that the spark starts to get rekindled. Uh, God starts to be more of reality. He's no longer just a belief. You start to see Him. Uh, if, if you converse with Him and notice Him and give thanks t- to Him, you'll find that the reality begins to come back. And and it's no longer just a dead piece of data in your head. Uh, the reality of the kingdom uh, will, will, will be there. Your heart will begin to roll up with gratitude, and the passion will begin to return, and the love will begin to turn, the vibrancy will begin to return. And now you're, you're, you're the bride that he wanted. He doesn't want a, a bride who simply believes in him. He wants a bride who's passionately in love with him and knows that he, that he is passionately in love with her. And that, folks, is the dance of the kingdom. The dance of the kingdom is, is, you, you can't will your way back into this. So some people think that, like, if, if they all of a sudden realize that, that they're backslidden, they don't talk about Jesus much since he's not real to them, they think they have to just try hard, like, okay, now I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna be passionate. Here, I'm not gonna go. See, it doesn't work like that. You can't just will yourself. Just like in a marriage, you can't say, okay, now I'm really going to love, love, love my, my, my spouse. You can will to act that way, and that's good, but you can't will the reality. What you have to do is just notice the reality. God is already, the reality is there. You don't need to create it. And just noticing the reality and acknowledging the reality and, and participating in that reality, well, that is what begins to invite the reality in on your life. And now God becomes, Jesus becomes a part of our day-by-day way of living in the world. And that's the way it was supposed to be. That's the dance of the kingdom. Now let me end with just three real quick tips about how to stay awake. Because the minute you walk out of this door, we're all going back to the same mundane world. And it can just bore us to death, literally. It it, it saps the life right out of us. How do you stay awake? First of all, I encourage us to pay attention to our souls. Listen to your soul. Uh, you, You have an inner mechanism where God communicates to us. It's the main way he communicates to us. And... We're always growing, right? We're a river. We're always changing. And we need to notice, pay attention, be devoted to this, listening to the promptings of our heart and the pain of our heart. If you're doing life on autopilot, it's easy to suppress this and ignore it, especially because it can be unpleasant. But we need to be a people who take out space to just listen to what our heart is saying. What, what are the urges, the promptings, the convictions that are there? And what is the pain that's there? Anxiety, for example. Uh, what are you nervous about? What's that, you know, depression about? Pay attention to that. It, it's, it, your soul's communicating to you. What can happen, see, is as we grow, if we don't pay att- if we're not vigilant about our soul, we keep doing life the way we've always done life. And, but your soul doesn't keep doing life the way you've always done life. It wants to grow, like it's supposed to grow. And what happens is if we don't readjust life to keep up with our soul, we start to experience pain. Pain is a way of saying something's wrong. What's wrong is that you're not being vigilant at at the way that you need to adjust your life to keep up with your soul. It's like a foot outgrowing a shoe. Between 7th and 8th grade, I grew up, I I, I grew like 6 inches. And, or 6th and 7th grade. Went from a 5 foot 3 to 5 foot 9 and 120 pounds to 145 or so. And, and what usually happened is I inherited my clothes from my older brother. Um, and so I was always at least two years out of date anyways. But now when I went into seventh grade, he needed his clothes still, and my mom said we couldn't afford any new clothes for us. So I went to school with my legs like this, you know. They call them flood pants. And this is at a time when it was cool to have these big bell bottoms, you know. Here I come, Mr. Geeky, and my shirt's too tight. Everything is just not fitting right. But my shoes were the worst thing because they, they didn't fit. I, and I, I had tennis shoes that fit, but she wouldn't let me wear tennis shoes at school. So... Um, Man, your feet get cramped. 
See, that's unnatural. That's painful. It's like in China. Did you know that they, for a period of time, centuries actually, and I've told that some sections still do this, that the girls, they would bind their feet so they wouldn't grow because they really like petite feet. And so they had to wear these same like shoes that would fit a two-year-old, and they had to wear them all their life. So their, their foot, feet would get deformed. I've seen pictures of these where the, 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 the girls under itself. It must be so excruciating. But see, if we don't change our shoes, change the way we do life, then we get deformed. It's unnatural. We're supposed to be changing and adjusting things. And so it can happen, folks, that you go 48 years of your life and everything's cool. God doesn't bother you about a certain thing in your life. And you're 49, all of a sudden, he jumps on it and says, that's got to go. And you might think, well, gosh, you were okay with it for 48 years. Why all of a sudden now it's got to go? It's because now you're ready for it to go. Maybe you weren't a year ago, but God's saying a new thing to us. He's always saying a new thing, and our job is to keep up with it. The way you did life before isn't the way that you're always supposed to be doing life. Don't go on autopilot. I, I try to spend 15 minutes of every morning, 15 to 20 minutes, just scanning my soul. And I encourage you to do that. Just ask, what is real? What's going on? And monitor that. Be vigilant about that. And when you find a pain or a prompting, ask, offer up to God. Ask, what's that about? What are you teaching me? What am I supposed to change? It always involves letting go of something old and grabbing onto something new. Which leads to my second point, And that is pay attention to new developments. Now, this isn't just about the promptings and the pain. This is about uh, pay attention to when a new thing captures your attention or a new thing moves you in a new way. A new concern sort of just grabs you. You see, if you're doing life on autopilot, we tend to assume, like, like worldlings, that, that we'll be the same tomorrow as we are today. And so we go on autopilot. Boring, 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 boring. And, and we, we, we don't have space for new stuff. But see... And so, so then, then if there's a new interest or a new passion or a new concern, we just sort of set it aside because it doesn't fit our autopilot way of doing life. I'm telling us here today, uh, as we're watchful for what God is up to, be watchful for the new thing that's developing in you. You're supposed to grow. And, and follow those new interests. Those, God's, God's telling you something. To make space for it may be inconvenient, may have to let go of something. But I'm telling you, it's what growth is all about. That's what growing up is all about. And we're never too old to continue to grow up. So, I, I, for example, here's the, one of the weirder things that's ever happened to me. I, I've shared this because it's been so strange. But the last four months, I've just been being moved by music in ways that I haven't since I was 17 and even beyond that. It's been bizarre to me. I, I, I can't get enough of it. Um, but I feel, and I don't know where, where this came from, what it's about, but I feel like I'm supposed to listen to it. Um, it it's, it's, it's a new passion of mine. So I, for the last couple of months... I think I've averaged about an hour or two a day just listening to music. And what's really strange is the kind of music I'm listening to. Because it's, it, it's not Bill Gaither. It's, it's speed metal, you know, hard rock stuff. I'm really getting into this, the speed metal stuff. There's some incredible Christian speed metal bands out there. Lunatica, Nightwish, uh, In Temptation, uh, incredible stuff. And there's some really good non-Christian bands as well. But I love the power of it and the beauty of the melody and, and the combination of it. It moves me. It gives me goosebumps. Sometimes it's like a worship experience. And I could just sit there forever. I just be blessed by it. Now, I, I think part of what's going on is that I had this part of me when I was a kid. Uh, it really moved me deeply. And then as life went on, I, I've lived almost all my life in a total uh, left-brain mode, where I, I spend my time thinking, being logical, doing research, writing ideas. And so I lived it all on the left brain, the analytic side. 
And my right side, I've always used imagination and prayer and stuff, but otherwise, I haven't paid any attention to music or poetry or any of the creative stuff. And yet it's a part of me. It feels like, I'm not sure, but it feels like my brain and God are saying, it's time to get a little more well-rounded or something. I don't know. And, and, and capture this other part of you. It feels like that. But it's changing me. Shelly notices it. Um, I, she says, you're, you're just... The rough edges are a little bit left, a little less rough. You're softer. You've got a, a greater sensitivity. I find that not only is music moving me more, but everything's moving me more. I'm getting in touch with my feelings. I'm becoming an artsy fartsy guy. You know, I'm artsy fartsy, artsy fartsy Greg. Anyways, it means I got to back off a little bit of my obsession with my writing and stuff. But I think it's what I'm supposed to do at least for a season. Uh, go with that stuff. But there's a new interest, new passion. If something catches your attention, a missions trip, a, a ministry opportunity, maybe it's music or a new hobby or whatever, go with that. Go with that because life's about growth. It should never get old. It should always be new. Be watchful for that. And the third thing very quickly is just this. Uh, apply this to all our relationships. Uh, be creative um, in all of our, our significant relationships, including with God. Never take it for granted. Never coast. The, the enemy of all significant relationships is ruts, or our ruts. We get into ruts. We take things for granted. We, we just do the same thing over and over again. We do autopilot in relationships, and to do autopilot in relationships is to begin to kill the relationship. Uh, as, there's, as the river flows, life's always a river, uh, always be looking for new things that you're supposed to do to bring life into the relationship, to, to bring spice in the relationship. Uh, what new things is God doing? Uh, the old way you did the relationship doesn't have to be the way you always do the relationship. It shouldn't be. Because you're going to be different and they're going to be different and you're supposed to be different together. That's what deep relationships are all about. So be creative, bold, and, and exploratory, adventurous in, in, in ways of doing a relationship. This is a trivial thing, but life is mainly trivial things and finding joy in the trivial things. So here's an example. Shelly and I have never been a, a couple that plays cards together or does board games together, that kind of stuff. Uh, it's never occurred to us for some reason. This last year, we just thought we should try that. Um, and it was kind of weird. Anytime you do something new, it's kind of weird. It's kind of awkward. You're playing a board game. And it's just weird. But now it's not. We've been doing it for a couple months, and it's a blast. It, it, it just brings a little extra fun in the relationship. Uh, trivial, but trivial is important. Another way of saying that, there's nothing trivial in a relationship. Pay attention to it. It may be the thing that you're really supposed to do. Be open to doing new things. Try new things. Um, we found that, that uh, for the first time a couple of years ago, we, we found that we need to have a two- or three-day retreat together. Where we just go someplace. And it means we've got to you know, be able to afford it and make time for it and all that. But we've found that investing in those two or three days has just been us. It, it pays dividends throughout the year. Things can happen when you have two or three days together and you're alone and no distractions. Things can happen there. You can attain a depth that you can't get piecemeal throughout the rest of the year. For us, anyways. Uh, it, that may not be true for you, but, but be open to what will be true of you. Uh, and, and be willing to try new things. Uh, the final thing I'll say is, married folks, uh, the place where you sleep should never become just a sleepy place. And the best way to prevent people taking adventures outside the marriage is to bring the adventures into the marriage. All right? And, uh, and so I'm just saying, uh, don't let that get boring and old and, and routine. Uh, no, make it fun. Uh, be, explain new things. And no, I'm not going to share with you how Shelly and I do that. That's, you figure that out on your own. I don't have to do all the work for it, crying out loud. 
It applies to all of our relationships, guys. Keep your eyes open. Be watchful. Be watchful for the new. God's ever new, always present, always active. Uh, but if you do life on autopilot, you'll miss it. And that is the beginning of death. Life is all about staying awake, watching with fresh eyes, watching with grateful eyes. Your spouse, your children, the world, your, your friends, and most importantly, our Lord and our God. Keep it fresh. Keep it new. Keep it alive. Be vigilant on this. And, uh, and, and you find the spark, the spark comes back, the reality comes back, the passion comes back, and that is what the kingdom is all about. Amen? Amen. All right. Yes, hallelujah. Praise God. Stay awake. I'd like to ask the prayer teams to come down here as you stand. And if you have any need uh, whatsoever this morning, please uh, come forward and pray with, with these folks. They'd love to minister to you. Um, and I just want to send us out with this. Holy Spirit, as we leave here to go out into a mundane world that is mostly the same day to day, God, help us to never give in to boredom. Help us to never get lethargic in our eyes. Help us to stay awake, stay alive, stay watchful, and stay grateful. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Stay awake.